Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Are you ready for the word? Are you ready for the word? The message, as you see entitled, is seeds. Seeds. And one of my desires as a pastor is to help to stir and encourage a greater passion for the word, a greater passion for the truth. I really want you to be truth seekers. You know, Jesus said, thy word is truth. As he was praying to God, he acknowledged that the word of God is truth. And so as you go about your day, as you go about your week, Spend time in the Word, whether it's reading, actually reading the Bible, reading it from your device, listening to podcasts, listening to Christian radio, watching Christian TV, whatever avenues you can resource and use to build yourself up on the Word, you will grow because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so it shouldn't just be Sunday morning to hear Pastor Matt or another one of our leaders speak to be built up on the word, you should be feeding every day. The Bible says man does not live by what? Bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And um, it's great to have my nephew here, Brock. Uh, he serves in the Air Force as a flight traffic controller in England. And so he's on leave. Uh, with, and so it's good to have Brock with us. God bless you. Thank you for serving our country. Amen. <laughs> So it's springtime. Have you noticed? How many gardeners do we have out there? Okay, let me look at your thumbs. Okay, are they green? Okay. <laughs> uh, you saw the statement on the uh, video sting. God plants seeds of greatness in you. Sow them and reap greatness. We want to talk about the dynamic of the seed. We want to talk about this. I, I believe the season is right. Uh, and I want you to be directed to Genesis 1.11 for opening verse. We want to explore the subject of seeds and, and what that's all about. Um, so Genesis 1.11. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. When God spoke it, when God said it, it became a physical, tangible reality in the earth. And it's interesting because the seed, the fruit within the fruit has the seed to reproduce itself again and again, over and over and over. This is a principle of how God established creation and how he has designed things. God has designed things to multiply and be reproduced through what we call a seed, or we could say seeds, plural. So in realizing, we're going to pray at this time, okay? You, let's join our faith together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to minister your word. I thank you for the hearts of the people that are open and receptive to truth. Help us to comprehend and understand your wisdom 
Help us to grow in the knowledge of your will, your word, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Thank you, Father, that this message, message in some way is going to minister to people today to help them grow in you. Help them overcome what they're facing. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And I just want to put a little plug out to the young adult group. Uh, I am 61, and I still consider myself young. When I compare myself with Moses, who lived to 120, I'm young. When I consider Noah, who lived over 600 years, I'm young, okay? So, so some of you can take that home with you, amen? All right. So now there's a natural and a spiritual application to the principle of the seed. And we're going to talk a little bit about both this morning, the natural and the spiritual uh, principles of the seed. The one spiritual aspect of the seed we see in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. You can jot that down if you're taking notes. It reads, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he shall reap. See, anything you can give away is a seed. As much as a compliment, as simple as a compliment. For me to compliment you, that's a seed. It's something I'm giving to you that can bless you. That really it will come back. Because every time we sow, there's a harvest. And God is establishing that in Galatians 6, 7. There's many areas where we can be deceived in life. And a number of years ago, I did a series entitled, Be Not Deceived. And I looked at all the passages of where the scripture or Jesus said, be not deceived. And when you look at that, that makes for a great Bible study. You see all the areas that we can fall prey to deception. And this is one of those areas when it comes to sowing and reaping that there's a lot of people that have been deceived. They don't understand the principles. They don't understand the benefit that sowing seed will have in their life. And yet they're reaping the benefits all the time and they don't even know it. Okay? So hang on. We're going somewhere with this message, okay? So sowing and reaping, we could say, are governors of destiny. There's a destiny that is to be fulfilled in your life, and, and sowing and reaping are the governors of that destiny for it to come to fruition. Now, we understand this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down too. The purpose of a seed is to multiply. The purpose of a seed is to multiply. See, God has given man dominion. He's created us with the ability to be very productive in this life. In fact, when you are not productive, God wonders why. Why aren't they producing? I placed within them the ability to multiply, to increase, to be successful. Why isn't it working? And so, but understand that there's reasons why it's not working is because we've been blinded to the truth. We've been blinded to the revelation of God of what he has called us to do and be and become in this earth. And we see a picture of it in Genesis 1 verse 28. This is one of the first statements that God spoke concerning mankind, okay? In the Bible, Genesis 1.28. In fact, this is um, man's job description. It's God's assignment to humanity. We see it right here in the book of beginnings, Genesis 1.28. It says, and God blessed them. And this, he's speaking them there. At that time, it was just Adam and Eve, okay? Just those two. 
a lovely couple, I'm sure, okay? Um, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, some people say, okay, that means having babies. It's more than just having babies. That was a big part of it, thank God. But it's more than having babies. It has to do with being fruitful and multiplying in every arena of life, okay? And so it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Why? The earth was this amazing planet. It still is. With all these resources, with all this room, and it was empty. It needed to be filled, okay? And that was man's assignment, to fill the earth. And we've been working on it for, you know, about 6,000 years or so since the creation and what we see in this Genesis account, okay? Now, so be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. That means you can go fishing, okay? And over the birds of the heavens, that means you can go duck hunting, okay? And over every living thing that moves on the earth, okay? And you see in other places that God's given that for food and all that. And it's, I'll throw this in as a side note. It's interesting if you think about it. For something to live, something has to die. Whether it's a plant, because we eat plants so we can live. Whether it's a cow, we eat McDonald's hamburgers so we can live. No, hopefully not. Okay. I mean, there's other, I'm not talking against McDonald's, but um, um, yeah, there's some people that raise uh, you know, beef without any kind of stuff. It's all natural. Okay, better, I get, better keep moving here. So things to note. I'm going to just give you some notes, some little one-liners here, and then we're going to get into three principles. I want to share this morning three principles that are very important for us to understand about the seed. Okay, uh, these are just some little one-liners, so hang on. Without seed, there is no multiplication. And God's not just wanting you to maintain, he's wanting you to multiply, okay? He's wanting us to multiply. At the beginning of this year, it came into this year really thinking, you know, as a church, we are not just going to maintain so we can just pay the bills, we can make do, we can just get by. But we came into 2018 with a mentality, we are going to multiply as a church. We're going to multiply in people, resources, impact, and all that we do to affect this community and beyond, okay? This is a year we're going to multiply as a church, okay, in our mission to the world. Are you with me? Is that, I'm the only one? Okay. Is anybody with me? Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I need, I can't, Pastor Deb, we're getting a little older. We can't do this alone. We need all these young people. That's why I love it when they fill their front rows. Yeah. Yeah, we need you guys, okay? There's a mission at hand. And it is not mission impossible. It's mission possible, okay? All right. Another one-liner. Your life is a seed. Your life is a seed. You need to speak that to yourself. My life is a seed. So God... You know, if you see, that means he's ordained and destined for you to multiply, okay? For, um, when, sometimes I like to make a carbon copy of myself so I could be doing more than one thing. Multi, my concept of multitasking, I'm kind of limited in that. My wife is much more gifted with multitasking. My uh, method of multitasking would be cloning, but I can't do that, okay? <laughs> so anyway, another one-liner, your seed or every seed, every seed has the capacity 
to reproduce itself. Every seed has the capacity to reproduce itself. And then a seed contains an image of what it will become and produce. Within that seed is the makeup, the DNA of what that seed will become and look like and produce. Sometime if you get a chance, read Mark chapter 4 about the parable of the sower because it talks about the seed and the seed is the word of God. It's a great chapter. There's a lot of insight and revelation there and understanding just the principle of the seed and how it takes root and grows and all that. How many farmers, how many gardeners or green thumb people do we have here today? Don't, don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. Okay, let's see you. Okay. I was raised on a farm. Thank you for raising your hand. We need you people so seriously. Now, you know, for those of you that acknowledge and raising your hand, you know the principle of sowing and reaping. If you want carrots, you don't plant green bean seeds, okay? And, you know, you look at the little seed, especially carrots. I never understand that. It's like, that doesn't look like a carrot. But you plant it. You know, that's why they put pictures on the, the packages of the seeds so you know what you're getting. And I can remember, you know, growing up on the farm, we would have a garden, and we'd have these little sticks. And after we'd plant the row of seeds, we'd take a little package, and we'd, you know, put it over that stick. And so we knew what was in that row. And so now if something else started growing up in that row, we either thought somebody, you know, rearranged the, the packages on the sticks, or there was the wrong seed in the package, okay? Uh, but you can't expect to get beans if you're planting carrots, and you can't expect to get carrots if you're planting beans, okay? And so they, that, that's important to understand that, because that means there's different seeds, and in your life what you're sowing, there's different ways we sow, there's different seeds that we sow which will cause a harvest to come, all right? Now, the farmer that never releases the seed in his barn will never see the harvest. See, growing up on the farm, you know, we would harvest oats every year, but my dad would plant oats. But he didn't feed all the oats to the cattle. We reserved some of those oats that were used for the planting of the next season. That seed was set aside. And we had this little device. It was a fan that we would put the seed in there and the fan would blow all the shaft and everything out. So the end product was nothing but pure seed. There were no weeds mixed with those seeds. And so that, we would bag that up in these 100-pound sacks, of burlap sacks, and we would set that aside and we reserve that for the next spring, for the next season of planting. Now, if my dad would have used all that, he wouldn't have had anything to plant. And, and so whenever, and we can look at this even with money, when we receive something, we sow the first fruits to God. That's the whole principle of giving, and I'm giving it, getting ahead of myself there. But let me share another statement. Uh, some of you can tell what kind of seed you have, and others can't. Because the seed never looks like the harvest, unless it's a potato. Okay. <laughs> Because, did you know, if you want potatoes, you just plant a potato. <laughs> yeah. Um, unless they've gone through this process of uh, uh, where they don't have the little sprouts on anymore. I used to do that for a little season in my life. Um, I would inhibit potatoes. Can you imagine that job? 
I'd go to these warehouses and we would uh, seal the entire warehouse out. And then we would have this big fan and we would uh, put this gas, gaseous fume in there and it would be blowing into that warehouse for hours and it was inhibiting those potatoes so that they could not reproduce. So that those potatoes that were sold to like people that make french fries like McDonald's, they wouldn't grow sprouts on before they were processed, okay? And that's the whole science. I didn't mean to say all that. You didn't need to all know, that, know all that stuff. Let's get to these principles, okay? We only have a few minutes left. Okay? For seed to multiply, we have to understand three important principles. Number one, the principle of stewardship. The principle of stewardship. And you can put slash, this is God's investment. Stewardship is God's investment in us. Okay? And see, we are managers. Uh, we see it in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. We must invest what we have, put it to work for us as a steward or as a manager of what belongs to another. Uh, mark it down, you own nothing. You are only a manager of what you currently possess. You have possessions, but they belong essentially to God. He owns it all, the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything on this earth, all the resources, but yet he's entrusted it to us as a manager, as a steward, okay? And so uh, we are manager, managers of God's stuff. Matthew 25 turned that we're going to look at part of this chapter. We're not going to share the whole thing, but Jesus is giving a principle in his teaching, giving us a parable. In verse 14, it starts out, it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He went away to see what are these guys going to do with what I just invested in them. So he who had five talents went at once. I mean, he didn't waste any time. And he traded with them. And he made five talents more. Wow. That's pretty productive. I mean, a hundredfold. I mean, a hundred percent increase. He started with five, ends up with ten. That guy's doing pretty good, isn't he? Would you, would you think so? Okay. And so then the next one says, but he, verse 17, he who received two talents made two talents more. So he was, you know, good productivity rate as well. Doubled what he had. Um, had less to work with, but he was still faithful with what he had. Some of us have less to work with, but we need to be faithful with what we have. Not everyone is gifted with all these talents, but realize those who are, to whom much is given, much is required. I never thought I had a whole lot of talent. I never thought I was given a whole lot, but yet I've, I've been faithful with what I have. And, and so that's a, always an encouraging word. Be faithful with what God's entrusted to you. Don't be so concerned about the other people. Oh, I wish I had what they had. Then I'd be successful too. No, it doesn't work that way. You can be successful with what God's invested in you. Okay? And so then this third guy here, he's, he's trouble, I tell you. Verse 18. But he who had received the one talent... Went, he found a hole. <laughs> no, he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. He was going to sit on this. He wasn't going to do anything with it but hide it, okay? And now, 
After a long time, verse 19, the master of those uh, servants came and settled accounts with them. Verse 20, and he who had received the five talents came forward. There's, all, there's an accounting day coming to all of us. Bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I've made five talents more. His master said to them, said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much into, into the joy of your master. Wow. So I want to hear those words when I meet Jesus face to face. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You want to hear those words too. Because the alternative with the other guy, God called him wicked because he didn't do anything with it. We won't, we, I'll just kind of paraphrase it. He, he said, okay, why didn't you at least invest it in the bank and get some interest? Even though the banks aren't paying much interest, at least you would have got something. But he didn't do anything with what he had. And he's actually cast off and cut away. And you know what was really interesting at the end of the story? The master who's representing of Jesus, representative of Jesus, he took the one talent of that guy and he gave it to the guy that had 10. What? That doesn't make any sense. But God knew that that guy was going to produce with that one because he had produced with what God had already given him. Okay? See, that's why, you know, did you know if, if, if you are an investor, investors are looking to invest in something that's already productive. They're not looking to invest in something that's failing or going under. Why? Because they're wise investors of their money. They don't want to invest in something that's going to fall apart and fail or go bankrupt. And God's no different than that. God's a, a good investor. He's a wise investor. Okay? And in fact, the talents in this parable is, is seed invested in their lives that was designed to produce and reproduce. And so you need to know something about God's faithfulness here. And it's interesting because uh, I, I was just thinking about this. I've, I've heard this a couple times over the years, that if you were to take all the world's wealth and equally distribute it among all the inhabitants on this planet, it would be a matter of like five years that eventually it all filtered back to the same people. Because some people don't know how to manage. They wouldn't know what to do with it. They'd waste it. They'd lose it. They'd squander it. And so, interesting thought. Yeah. And so, one of the things that we understand about faithfulness, because I believe we want to be faithful. Faithfulness is when we multiply. If we're not multiplying in our life, then we're not faithful. We're not found faithful. Let me put it that way. We're not found faithful. And so, see, God doesn't want you to sit on your gifts he wants you to use them to bless and benefit others, to bless his kingdom work and his purpose. See, God calls you to multiply. He's ordained for you to multiply. The worthless servant lost it all because he was not willing to invest in what was given to him. And it was given to the one that had 10. Isn't that interesting? Principle number two is the principle of increase. The principle of increase. And this is God's intent. God's ordained it. And I'm going to just give you a couple of scriptures on this one. I'm not going to share a lot of com comment. You can just jot these scriptures down. Deuteronomy 8.18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. 
that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. We remember the Lord because he's the one that's given us the power, the ability to create wealth. Did you know you have the ability to create wealth in you that was given to you by God? That's true. See, we, we talk about these things, sometimes it makes people feeling, feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I think I need to take a, just a couple more minutes here than normal, but um, another scripture, Deuteronomy 28, 12, this is the heart of God. Even in the Old Testament, this was God speaking to his people what his desire was for them. Deuteronomy 28, 12 says, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, his good treasury, the heavens to give the rain to your hand, land in a season and to bless the work of your hands, and you shall lend to many nations but you shall not bow. Whoa. Now, wouldn't that be wonderful? Because that's the end of where God wants to take us, so we don't have to always be running to the bank. We don't always have to be financing the automobile, financing the dog, or financing other things, or putting things on credit card and creating all this debt. See, God wants his people to be debt-free. I, I really believe that. And so, anyway, another scripture. It's, it's Bible. Psalms 67, 6 says, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. That's God's heart. Just as you as parents want to bless your children, God wants to bless us because we're his children too. Psalm 88, 85, 12. Psalm 85, 12 says, Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. And then I, I love this in Psalms 115, verses 14 and 15. It says, may the Lord give you increase, you and your children. Verse 15, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, this is God's heart. I mean, these are uh, words we don't often think about or look at, but this is definitely the word of God. Principle number three is the principle of sowing, giving. That's our response. That's our response. I want to talk about Johnny Appleseed. Ever, ever hear of Johnny, Johnny Appleseed in school? Hear about that guy? Apple trees and orchards are spread across this great nation because of one man called Johnny Appleseed. His actual name was John Chapman. He was born September 26, 1774, and he passed away March 18, 1845, better known as Johnny Appleseed. You know, he was an American pioneer nurseryman. Now, not because he was nursing babies, but he was, was a plant nursery, okay? So what he did, he introduced apple trees to large parts of Pennsylvania, Ontario, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, as well as northern uh, countries of present-day West, counties of present-day West Virginia. Now, because of his generosity, because he gave these seeds away, and he'd go plant these seeds, did you know that apples, apple trees were not native to this country? And, and so without Johnny Appleseed, you wouldn't have mama's apple pie. You wouldn't have applesauce. You wouldn't have apple fritters. You, you wouldn't have all these wonderful things to eat that are made of apples. Did you know the apple industry has netted billions of dollars and you track it over years because of one man called Johnny Appleseed? Johnny Appleseed has provided employment for countless individuals, people who, that you and I are going to probably even hard to calculate it all because of one man that had a vision just to plant these little seeds. Have you ever seen apple seed? You open that thing up and it usually goes into the waste, but when Johnny Appleseed ate his apple, he saved the seeds. 
He didn't let one go to waste. He was going to make sure those seeds were going to get planted somewhere, someplace at some time, okay? And so imagine your world without apple pie. Yeah, yeah. I'd imagine that. Now, a seed is anything you can give that will benefit another. The fruit tree produces fruit for the benefit of others to enjoy, not for the tree itself necessarily, okay? So your seed paves the way for others. And I want to, how many of you enjoy the chairs you're sitting in? Are they comfortable? Okay, they're supposed to be a three-hour chair, okay? The chairs before this, or is it two-hour? Three, they're three-hour chairs, okay? So in other words, you can, tell, you can tell us so we can keep this message for three hours. No, no not really. Anyway, so the chairs we had before that were only like 30-minute chairs. So people, it was, it was, they were bad, bad. So about 15 years ago, I was trying to calculate the actual time. Uh, we thought it was time to get new chairs. So I went before the congregation. We, we were doing a lot of research. We found uh, the Bertolini chairs that you're sitting in and $40 a piece at that time. And so we put it out there, we need to buy 400 chairs, and we want you, you know, the 400, divide that however you want. And so we put it out there. Well, somebody say, I wanna buy a chair. Here's a $40 check. Somebody said, I wanna buy 10 chairs for, you know, people I wanna witness to for my family, for my friends when they come. That's great, it's $400. Somebody said, believe it or not, they said, I'm going to buy 100 chairs. I mean, that, that was, what? Wow, 100 chairs. So somebody paid the price for the chairs you're sitting in, okay? Calculating 15 years of time and the blessing these chairs have been, that's between 1,500 to 1,800 gatherings, whether it's a, a, a church service, funeral, wedding, or some other activity. And you times that 1,800 by 400, Think about the masses of people that have been served just through the investment of a chair. So the blessing continues. What you give away, what you sow, multiplies over, over again and again. And these chairs have held up. They're stacked, restacked all the time. You know, we've had a few damaged and take them in the basement. We try to repair them and bring them back out here so they can continue to be serving people. So... You know, what you give into refuge, it doesn't stop right there. That seed continues to multiply and come back to you in so many ways. I want to share this with you because sowing for the believer when we look at the, the financial aspect begins with the tithe. And this is the only time you can test God. And we want to share this with you, Malachi 3.10. The tithe is the only place, if you read in verse 8, it says, Test me in this. God's basically daring us. He said, I dare you to tithe. Because in verse 10, he says what he's going to do. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing till there is no more need. Now, it's important to understand people saying, well, that's Old Testament. That may be Old Testament, but the principle applied before the law, during the law, and after the law. Because Jesus in Matthew 23, 23, he's, he's rebuking the Pharisees. He's addressing the Pharisees. And he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. In fact, they got so nitty-picky about tithing, they would go into their spice racks and they would take 10% and they would tithe that. I mean, that's, that's crazy, okay? 
And, the, and notice what Jesus said, and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. So they were missing the mark when it came to those things. But notice Jesus said, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. In other words, you should have been attending to mercy, faithfulness, and justice, as well as not neglecting to tithe. So Jesus even affirmed the tithe. See, money is a seed. In fact, if any seed you have, if it just lies dormant, it won't produce anything until it's planted. So every time you sow into the kingdom of God, anytime you give into charitable work, anytime you give to brother or sister or a person in need, did you know what? That seed begins to produce in ways that we can't even fathom or comprehend. You know, the, the seed may leave your hand, but it never leaves your life because God said, whatever you sow, whatever you give, it's going to come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. See, that's the principle. When we give, it comes back in a greater dimension. And so the worship team can come up here. We're, we're going to wrap this up. We're a little over time. But in first, actually, 2 Corinthians, we're going to close with this passage. We see the New Testament principle of giving. In verse 6, it says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. In other words, that makes sense. If you plant a little seed as a farmer, if you only plant one acre of corn, that's all you're going to have is just one acre. If you decide to make it 10, you always reap in proportion to what you sow, okay? And we see that in the scripture. And then verse 7, this is talking about the heart now. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. You can't be manipulated. You can't be twisted. You can't be forced or pressured into it. It has to come from your heart. And don't let me ever put you under pressure to give as a pastor. I never want to put anybody under any kind of guilt, pressure, condemnation for not giving. But as a pastor, I do you the greatest disservice for not sharing the principles of the word because I know through the practice of the tithe, our lives have been blessed beyond anything I could have ever imagined. My wife and I have been faithful tithers from the time that we were married, even before we were married. And we have seen the blessing of God overflow in our life. We have literally seen the scripture in Malachi 3.10 fulfilled in our lives. And now we're seeing it in our children too. Such a huge blessing. It goes on to say, in verse 8, and God is able. But did I read verse 7? That each must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly, under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. There's joy that has to be associated with your giving. Now, I'm not going to receive an offering after this, okay? So I'm not going there with it. We're just giving you the word this morning, and we're over time. So I got to finish it up. Verse 8, and God is able, I love this passage, to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you, you may abound in every good work. Thus, as it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. And verse 10 goes on to say that he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So he gives you what you need to eat and he gives you what you need to sow. You know, there's times we'll receive something and Deb and I will say, okay, let's pray about this. Is this a seed that we sow? Do we just pass this to somebody else? Or is this bread for food? And, and, and our hearts have, are conditioned to be sowers. 
So the three significant principles for the seed to multiply. Number one, the principle of stewardship. That's God's investment in us. Number two, the principle of increase. That's God's intent to bring increase in our lives. And number three, the principle of sowing, giving. That's our response. That's our part. We have the privilege to give so that God can do what he longs to do in our life. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to bring this to a close, but before we do, if there's anybody here and you are in a place right now in your life where you know that your life is not right with God, you know that if you were to die today, there's an uncertainty whether or not you would be accepted into the kingdom of God. Maybe there's doubts. Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's uncertainty. You can have assurance and you can have a knowing that your life is right with God when you acknowledge and recognize Jesus for who he is, for what he's done, and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Christianity is set apart from every other world religion. No Savior is there like Jesus. All the other religious figures are dead, but Jesus rose from the dead to give us new life. And if you're here, say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know, I know, I know my life is not right with God. I know it's not right with God. You are in a place where you can get right with God. The only people that God can save are those who need salvation. If you've received salvation, then praise God. If you haven't received salvation, God wants to save you from your sins. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, you say, Pastor, I know I need God in my life. I know I'm not right with God. Boldly lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. We're not going to make you come up here yet. Prayer will be offered in a moment. But hold up your hand. And I'm going to pray for you and with you at this time. Okay, I see that hand. Thank you so much, others. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to pray this prayer together. When people respond to Jesus, it brings joy to the angels in heaven. It brings joy to my heart and joy to God's people. But we're going to pray this prayer together. And be sincere. Make these words your words as you pray. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. I acknowledge that I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I believe in you, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, come in and make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer sincerely, in this very moment, Jesus is invading your heart and life and causing his love, his forgiveness to prevail over sin and its bondage. In a moment, we'll have people up here for prayer. If you lift your hand, they'll be available to pray with you. Let's worship God at this time. God bless you. Thank you for being so receptive to the word. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.